Hey, Doglos, you know what time it is. It's Documenteers time, the podcast about documentaries where we discuss documentaries and we review documentaries. And we uh, thank you for listening to us do that. I am your host, Bob Sham, and it is very exciting because we are in part two of our series of Penelope Spheres' classic Decline of Western Civilization with this one, part two, The Metal Years. All the metal fun. And this is described as more of the funny one. There was some funny stuff in the first one, which we did with Ginger. But this one definitely is funnier. But also, it could be a little sad, too, because the decline movies all have... It's really good about sewing in uh, central themes. And substance abuse is a big one throughout the decline series. And that means, of course, next week, part three, the gutter punks, the squatter punks, uh, decline part three will be done with Johnny. So you know what the next one's going to be. After that, God, I, I don't know. It's too far out. But if you have not seen these movies, they're pretty easy to find online. Stuart, who is doing this episode, The Metal Years, uh, he actually has the the box set that has all of them in it with some extras. So he's bringing a little, a little behind-the-scenes knowledge to the table, uh, especially regarding this one, because some things may not seem as they appear, but... But really, everyone's still totally fucked up, like no matter the scenario. But this one's pretty interesting. You'll hear more about that in the episode, of course. But we encourage you to hit us up on uh, social media, at Documenteers at Twitter and Instagram. Instagram's probably the most hopping. We have a Facebook page. And remember, uh, the rules about Facebook, if you're going to have a Facebook page, you have to like the Documenteers page. If you are going to have a Facebook page, but you are not going to do that, you need to deactivate your Facebook page. Those are the rules. Those are the laws. The Hertzog laws. The Hertz laws. Also, you can contact me personally at documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. But if you want to praise any of your favorite uh, co-hosts, you can send messages to there and I will convey them personally. Even if you say you like maybe uh, Johnny or Ginger or Kill or Angela more than me in the message, when I transfer the message to them, I will change it to where it seems like that you are praising me a little more than they are, but you're still praising them. But we appreciate all the love we've gotten out there. Everyone who's uh, sent in a review and given us five stars. Uh, a lot of the reviews, I don't know why they're not showing up. I think you just got to keep them coming. And it'll just, it'll just happen. But thanks for the love. And I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. And uh, if you're listening right now, I just want you to know that I really, really appreciate the fact that you're doing so. And I hope that on some level you enjoy this enough to check the, check out many other episodes of this is your first one. But if you do like it and you like it a lot and you want to hear more, you can help us out for nothing. All you got to do is give us a review plus five stars on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. And uh, that helps us spread the word for what The Documenteers is all about. We're a podcast about documentaries. Not a docu... Well, maybe... I guess they, they also call documentary podcasts like Serial. We're not that. We like the documentaries. And that's what we like to talk about. But anyway, I dilly, I dally. Let's get to the rock and roll with Penelope Spiris's The Decline of Western Civilization, Part 2, The Metal Years. Keep on... Docking. Now, here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. There's just nothing but fist in your face. And I think that's what's the great thing about metal. That's the, it saved rock and roll for the 80s. you can remember and the first person who can't think of anything in like three seconds loses yeah. and uh loses their house their kids their car it's a serious ass game and featuring ellen Cleghorn. <laughs> uh, there's commentary on the uh that i was watching on the oh, client too yeah and it's with the singer from uh from london I really had a hard time telling uh, these bands apart. 
but you wrote them all down or the yeah yeah as i got through sometimes i'd go back and forth i was like is this still london or are we still watching london and be like yeah because <laughs> they all look the same um yeah i can tell i can tell the difference but i've watched this movie so many times i think i maybe watched this movie at a time where i was drunker more consistently i remember the uh what's his name from wasp chris holmes yeah yeah that uh, was always the standout scene yeah that that's the scene of this movie this movie we're talking about the decline of western civilization part two the metal years ginger did part one we discussed that and now Stuart is here we're discussing part two of the penelope spiris documentary series decline of western civilization first one was about that la punk scene this one is about that glam metal explosion yes and this came out when in like 88 right or a lot of it was filmed around that time that's right well maybe 87 who all is in this movie well chris holmes as we said chris holmes in a pool <laughs> we hear the uh, unattached we never see her but we hear penelope's spirits's voice as usual that. asking these questions that seem kind of naive but are also getting to the root of it she has this approach that it almost sounds like she doesn't know what's going on based on how she asks questions sometimes but like it does that. effectively get to the core of something even if no one's answering her question directly you get the feeling that it's resonating somewhere you know right and that's kind of the magic of what penelope brings as a director yeah so this is this has a kindred to uh our, our previous review of Heavy metal parking lot. This is like, this though focuses more steadily on the glam rockers this instead is, of the headbangers. This is the, we've done, we're in the 30s right now in our documentaries episodes. Really? And this is our third movie where metal is a big theme. Really? Yeah, we've done Heavy Metal Parking Lot, Iron Maiden Flight 666. And you did that movie about Chromium. No, we haven't done that one yet. And now we're doing Decline Part 2, The Decline of Western Civilization, Part 2, The Metal Years. But this metal, this metal is the reason I didn't really grow up a metal guy. Yeah. A lot of this stuff seemed a little too ridiculous for me. Unless you're 14. Unless you're 14. I felt like I was at an age at some point to want this kind of music. I think I was just more into the R&B of the day when I was very small. As I'm older now, I look back at some classic metal. And I'm like, I like this. I like this. But I'm going through a lot of these bands in this movie. Yeah. And I'm like, I get why I wasn't into this particularly because I'm not really into a lot of the music in this one now. Yeah. I mean, okay. So you're talking about the band bands, but there's also all the talking heads we get in this movie, which I'm, I'm sure a number of them you do appreciate. Yeah. I, I go back and forth. Some like I Lemmy. Like I like, yeah, I'm Motorhead's sure you great. like Lemmy. I'm sure you like Black Sabbath. Yeah, absolutely. Alice Cooper, I'm a fan of most of Alice Cooper's 70s output. Megadeth. Megadeth is a, I mean, let's go straight to it. Megadeth, we see performances of these bands. We see Lizzie Borden, Poison, London, Seduce. And Megadeth. Megadeth easily does the best performance. Like, easily. It's not even close. And I think maybe the copy I was watching, because you can you can find this, all these the, the Klein movies on YouTube very easily. I wouldn't necessarily agree with you. Find it easily? No, I mean uh, that they do the best performance. Megadeth? I think that they're the most competent musicians, for sure. That they, okay, almost all these bands, it's like, and then they're into the chord chugging you know yeah whereas megadeth is like riff rock playing complicated intricate yeah. lines that require and they're also doing the kind of like dun, 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 which no one else is really doing everyone else is just kind of doing this souped up rolling stones yeah like this over hyped electric Aerosmith electric kind blues of junk yeah yeah but yeah we see stalwarts kiss paul stanley and gene simmons we see aerosmith steve steven tyler and joe perry yes and we just named all those bands. Some of those I like a lot. Some I don't like at all. Which ones don't you like at all? I'm not a Kiss fan. Though I'd probably pick them over Aerosmith. You like Kiss. Everyone likes them a little bit. There's just something about them that I'm mildly... It's kind of fun to talk about them. But it's hard to 
but I'm not really into their. I like making fun of Toronto. You feel good. They're like the Bay City Rollers with more makeup. We got any people tonight that are high? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Kiss fans. I know there are a lot of you out there. Kiss Nation. I apologize for that. It's a it's a low blow. Well, in Iron Maiden, Flight Six Six Six. Ginger and I explicitly stated that Kiss sucks. Well, I did. Ginger was trying to be a more diplomatic. Always the diplomat, that Ginger. That we're, it's I mean, be, remember when she was at the UN? She represents Documenteers Nation at the UN. Uh, yeah, and she moonlights for Uganda, Uganda yeah. occasionally. But Aerosmith is probably my least favorite. I think they're the most overrated band ever. What? I think I think of maybe the song Dream On, if I think of an Aerosmith song that I don't mind. I think that, though, if you have to admit that they're the most self-referential and self-deprecating of these glam rock bands, because who else would sing, dude looks like a lady? He's talking about himself. Come on. It's like a little bit of a Weird Al thing. What about the Run DMC thing? Shit was tired right then. That's what I like about them, though, is that they are willing to, they're doing what Alice Cooper does, too. I mean, Alice Cooper does it but not the same level of what they're doing. They're like, okay, we're going to really sell ourselves out. And then they become like the huge mega stadium balladeers yeah. later on. You got to admit that that's a, quite an arc. Alice Cooper, he has more of a tinge of bitterness in terms of what he sees as being taken from him over the years. Uh, yeah, Alice Cooper is kind of like the old bitter Jewish comedian. I mean, I think that's what he is if you wipe off the makeup and the hair. They took this from me. They took that. They took this other thing. I did that first. I was the guy with the guillotine and the the noose. Yeah. That's the, the whole the ha- metal thing. That's it. The that's makeup. The th- and if you remember, there's a part where uh, when they're interviewing him, he's like, there's would- a couple pretenders. I won't mention any names, but I'll mention some initials. Yeah. You know what he said? Blackie Lawless. Blackie Lawless from uh, Wasp. I mean, a lot of people did rip off Alice Cooper. I mean, I did. I mean, at some point, Alice Cooper is almost parodic of himself as you go later into his career. I like him. I, I saw him about a year ago. Where? The Piggly Wiggly? <laughs> no, he performed at the Tennessee Performing Arts, the T-Pack. Oh, T-Pack. Yeah, I saw him. Oh, yes. It's a That's, fun show. I saw Huck Finn there. So I know. <laughs> I know. Huck Finn and Alice Cooper. But Aerosmith. Yeah. Aerosmith gets a lot of credit for being the influence for this glam metal scene. And I would concede that, yeah, they do have a lot of influence over this scene. But they're leaving out a very important band and a very important musician that I'm very fond of that is also extremely influential. The New York Dolls and Johnny Thunders. And David Johansson. And David Johansson. They mention him. Uh, Steven Tyler does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with Penelope Spears, that's what's great about her interviewing style. She totally just like... And you definitely were big fans of the New York Dolls. Like, that's like a leading question that she gives. And he's yeah. like, yeah, we definitely did. It's like, yeah, sh- that's what's great about her. She, she just like rubs their faces in whatever. Yeah, that's the original band and the original musicians that most of this came from. Okay, so there's other, there's another couple bands, you know, you might say that are missing from this. But what's the big L.A. band that's not in this film? Guns and Roses? Yes. And now they are in the credits. Did yeah. you notice that? No, I missed that. Oh, yeah. There, there's a Guns N' Roses song playing during their credits. And do you remember uh, the band Seduce? I thought I thought uh, Alice Cooper's Under My Wheels was uh, playing on the credits. I guess they maybe played a couple. On the version I saw, it's Guns N' Roses and Alice Cooper. Okay, maybe it was both. Maybe I just cut it off. And it's Under My Wheels. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're both on that song. Okay. Do you remember the band Seduce? Yeah, they're in this movie, right? Okay, they're the guys riding around in the car. They were the last-minute fill-in for Guns N' Roses, who pulled out last minute. Wow. Yes. I didn't know that. And Guns N' Roses, they were on the edge of completely becoming one of the biggest bands out there during this time. Right. And they pretty much blew up right after this. Which makes sense why they wouldn't be in this. They were like, (laughs) yeah, we're not doing that. They were going to do it. They were all ready to do it. But the the manager was like, no, no, no. You too big. You guys, they're going to have to offer us a big check if they want us. Nah, Duff, you get too big for this, man. What is that? That is what he said, I'm pretty sure. We see Paul Stanley. Every once in a while, we like to get a little wasted. We like to take a taste of alcohol. Laying in a bed, big bed. Yeah. Overhead shot. Yeah. Surrounded by women in lingerie. Seems like there's no way that was set up, right? Like, (laughs) 
Like, there's no way. No, it's a casual shot, you know, like how a camera hangs from a ceiling and looking straight down on a giant bed while women happen to be laid in a very specific looking way. You know, speaking of the Venus de Milo, he looks like that. <laughs> he looks like the top of the Sistine Chapel and it's just Paul Stanley in bed. Right. It's like, what? <laughs> as much as I rag on Kiss, I do got to give uh, Gene and Paul some credit is that they probably give the best advice to these bands because substance abuse is an extreme issue in this in this film yeah and they are and they say you want to know why we are so successful because we didn't dive headfirst into all the drugs and fucking alcohol you get the feeling that women are more their drugs yeah and they avoided a lot of the drinking and a lot of the coke and this movie coke is not explicitly shown in this movie but it's there you can mm-hmm. tell right from the initial interview with Poison, where with band members from Poison, the way they're talking, they are coked up to their fucking eyeballs just right off the bat. Yeah. Well, Coke really goes well with alcohol. Oh, yeah. I mean, they won't say it in the film, but I'll tell you, folks, if you want to keep drinking, you got to keep snorting. And if you want to keep snorting, you got to keep drinking ad nauseum. I think the similarities between Coke and alcohol is that when you do both of those, when you're in the moment, you think that everything you're saying and doing is amazing. Or you really, there's not the self-critical eye. That's the Yeah, there really is that self-criticism goes away. Yeah, you're just id. You're just pure drive. Like reverse hallucination where like a good trip might break down your ego. With Coke and alcohol, you're all ego. Yeah. So you could be like the sloppiest, dumbest fuck. And you think you, but in your brain, you're like, I'm killing it right now. Yeah. I'm fucking killing it. Well, well, where are we off? Where are we at? What do you want to talk about next? Headbanging, dude. What is a headbanger? That's like a dude who's really into his music. Just all about the music, the tunes. One person, one fan says that a headbanger doesn't do glam. Basically saying that a real headbanger would hate all of these bands that are featured and shown in this movie. Headbangers like the dude yelling out the window. Metal, dude! Fucking metal! KNAC! Second to the Chris Holmes scene, that dude doing that might have been my second favorite part of the movie. There's some he was just, just all so those, those those scenes where it's like the the younger kids in the room with a light, just all getting interviewed about their aspirations for metal, <laughs> right. metal fandom. That's like the best stuff in this movie for sure. There's a tradition in the decline of Western civilization: the uh, public disclaimer at the shows by all the bands, right, right, right. The, to inform the audience that they will be filmed. And that you can't right, sit. and it's all cut up just like in the first one. Yeah, to where they're all finishing the sentence, and most of them can't get through the sentence. Yeah, it's great. In the punk ones, it was a lot of like "fuck you." In this one, I don't know. They're just there's trying just to, this movie and the differences. The obvious differences between the first and second is just this is way more fun and it's more humorous, more set up. Really, oh, definitely a lot more set up. You could tell the punk guys are. As much as they're trying to act like they're beyond it all and don't give a fuck, you can tell well, this, they really take it seriously. Well, the the Klein too. This movie it has well, the, a big difference is that it features people that have a lot of money. I mean, there are are like bands that are trying, but you got like Ozzy's in this movie, Kisses in this movie, Alice. These are mm, they're on the established. they're all they're all. I don't know that they're all in a lot of money. They're right at the level where they're almost going to be. And apparently this, you know, this is like the second comeback for Aerosmith when during the seventies, they weren't, this is right before they signed to Geffen when they became the Aerosmith you and I know from the eighties, you know, and they're right on the verge of signing the $60 million contract. This is before Guns N' Roses blew up. Yeah. This is before metal really blew up. Really. It's the precipice of that hair metal thing. We all know. Yeah. It's right before that. It's before they all cashed in with the hair metal ballad. Remember every metal band had that ballad? The worst aspect of that More time. Than God, that's the worst. And then they had another comeback where they all went unplugged and did the same songs again. Oh, God. <laughs> so this is right before that. This is when metal is still fun and people aren't completely jaded, except uh, Chris Holmes, maybe. Even Ozzy, I don't think he'd even really had uh, his real hits, you know? That we know from MTV. This is pre-huge MTV. This is like early MTV. MTV started in 1980. It's say 85, 86. I don't think uh, it was little, even that big. No, still. earlier than that. It was tested in um, 
in what was considered small market areas in like 82, 83, like pretty early in the 80s. It took it a bit for it to go all the way out, but yeah, pretty much most of the 80s there was MTV. Mm. And then it exploded after like 87. I can't, yeah, I can't really remember it until about then, maybe. Yeah, yeah same here. I don't think we even had uh, cable until right on the cusp of the 90s. So when we got that, then gangster rap blew up. And then yeah. MTV was like, okay, yo. I guess we'll put black people on our channel. Yo, MTV raps. Yeah. Right. House of style. The dude, speaking of MTV, the dude from Headbangers Ball. Ricky Rackman. Ricky Rackman. Yeah. Who ran, who runs the. The Pussycat. Yeah. The Cat House. The Cat House. That's what it's like. So, man, I hadn't seen that guy in years. It was fun to catch up, really. Yeah. It's like, what have you been up to, man? An old friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just been drinking in this bar. Penelope is interviewing a, a lot of fans and a lot of people in bands that have not blown up. There's this one kid who is probably the best interview. And he's like, I don't work. I never had a job. When Penelope is like questioning whether or not they're going to be successful, it's like, no, I'm going to be. One kid? It's going to happen. <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of the kids. I think there's, a, there's a lot of like bullshit because everyone is reacting to the common criticisms of glam metal. And it kind of results in all these bands having to convince each other that it really is about the music and the purity of the music. It doesn't go without saying because you're just watching all these guys that are just clones of each other, basically. Metal, what is called metal, this glam metal, is the most popular metal has ever been. This is popular music at this time. So popular music, there's like a lot more girls. This is the peak of girls being really into metal. And now metal has kind of gone back to the nuanced, small categories. You got specific fans that like specific things. And of course, you know, we all know those metal heads that would like pretty much want to beat up all half the people we see in this movie. But you know what? Nowadays, rock and roll and rock styles of music is not the most popular in pop culture now. It's taken a backseat to EDM, hip hop, even country music has more popularity than your classic styles of rock and roll which have now been reduced to uh, subgenres or like garage acts and stuff like that. They're, they're still like a loyal following, but it's not like hitting the charts the way it used to. And when you watch movies like this, you can kind of really see how the decline of that genre really started pretty early and it took it a long time for it to just wear down. And yeah. you, you can kind of see the writing on the wall in terms of the decline of, rock and roll is a juggernaut of popularity yeah i mean wouldn't you say decline too is like the start of this last rise yeah and then maybe after grunge it dips and then maybe it goes back with the whatever radio stuff like train and <laughs> i mean they they did a led zeppelin's cover album. <laughs> that band led zeppelin's yeah that big rock you mean that famous rocker jack johnson yeah man i mean and that's the, that's what it is now you know bands are genres unto themselves you know, the train genre. That's how it is now. You know, I'm a fan of the Bieber genre. Paul Stanley says, once you have money, you realize it's not important. That's something people with money say a lot. <laughs> Seriously. So, you know, this, if I can get back to all these little talking heads, when we go, when we cut to uh, Paul Stanley, when we cut to Ozzy Osbourne and uh, every scene of uh, Aerosmith, right? They're actually in the producer's house. Like that's... <laughs> like he's cooking breakfast, you know, and Ozzy Osbourne cuts down and he's cooking breakfast. Is in the producer of the documentary's house? Yes. That's the producer? Yes. It definitely looked put upon. <laughs> We're kind of all over the place, but it's all right, because this movie moves very quickly. The pace is very fast. The cutting is frenetic and keeps you interested, right? But we watch Ozzy explain the ups and downs of his career, and he's making eggs and bacon, and he's pouring orange juice, but mostly not in the cups. Right. And it's a fairly infamous <laughs> part of decline too. And it's just one of those aspects that's really like put up, really put on a bit. Well, she admits to cutting that. Do you know that scene, the orange juice? Yeah. That's a cut. He didn't miss the glass. Oh, someone it was else played for comic effect. <laughs> she's doing that stuff throughout, you know, by this point she's gearing up for Wayne's world. Swing, swing. She's like, I'm going to get my, I see the comedy. In this in this scene, you know, is this going to have to be rated in a Herzog Clint Howard hybrid? Uh, I don't know if we have to go that far. Oh, okay, 
is a sweetener. Let's call it a sweetener. You know, just because we didn't, she just because she's dispelling the magic, the magician, the documentarian, much like the magician, is doing a hat trick. It's not uncommon. We just know about it in this case. That's right. This band called Faster Pussycat plays. Right. Yes. It's it's like Born to Be Wild, but they do like all revved up glam metal style. Oh, to be wild. And it's really forgettable. Yeah. I don't know. This music, yeah. the way they, uh, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. This is why I really feel like the Megadeth performance at the very end is easily the best. No, I kind of like the, what, what about the mugging to the camera when they're all like doing their like model faces? Like, mm, ew. <laughs> Ooh, aren't I hot for a dude that's wearing a lot of makeup? You know, Mr. Big. I mean, <laughs> Mr. Big. Why didn't she get Mr. Big in this? Because they weren't invented yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, true. They're they're not. That's like one of the last hurrah of uh, hair metal. I'm trying to think of some glam metal that I do like. I like uh, some Motley Crue. Well, songs. We, went, we mentioned earlier um, "More Than Words" by. Uh, Extreme, you know, of course, everyone loves that song. And uh, Gorky Park by Scorpions. You know, the whistle, yeah, the whistle yeah. song. Everyone's favorite whistle song. Def Leppard. Do we want to get rocked? Def Leppard's probably better than most. Let's get know. rocked. I mean, how many times have you woken up in the morning and said, let's get rocked? Because, I mean, that's what I need to get up in the morning. I put on a little Def Leppard. Every let's morning. get, let's get. You know, you hear that that drum beat, syncopated. You know, not much flair. There's a reason for that, Def Leppard. But, you know. I I wake up holding a photograph, so I sing that Def Leppard song. Oh. You know, what I might say as I'm coming out of the bathroom. That's great white, right? Yeah. I think so. No, no, you're right. It's Def Leppard. And then, you know, rock me like a hurricane. Rock me like a hurricane. Scorpions. Yeah, that's Scorpion. Now that we've gone through all that. Yes, we were on how we weren't impressed with their cover of Born to be Wild. It's just that electro blues riffy junk that like, I mean, the Rolling I love the Rolling Stones, but even. Even them, I could barely stand. I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like they are the cap and there's still a lot of skippable stuff in that regard, but I feel like they did that maybe the best and that we don't really need to move on further in that regard, but no, we'd still get another 20 years of it. Well, you know, Aerosmith, they're the ones that started all this. Let's be honest. It's not, I know as much as Alice Cooper wants to take credit, not much of this sounds like, you know, 18 or school's out. It sounds more like Aerosmith. Johnny Thunders. Johnny Thunders had that balance. He had that influence. But he still was able to sound just very much like himself. But nothing sounds like that. The, this music, the music itself, it yeah. sounds like Aerosmith. All these bands sound like freaking Aerosmith. Aerosmith was... Let's be honest, right? They, they, people even admit it in the documentary as much. Like, yeah, we just wanted to be Aerosmith. Poison. I mean, all these bands. You read, you read Please Kill Me, right? Yeah. Remember the part where Johnny Thunders dies? I don't know if you remember yeah. this. Please Kill Me by Legs McNeil, the oral history of like the New York punk scene. Right. Highly recommended. A great book. But Johnny Thunders dies and Steven Tyler goes to his funeral because they were big fans of the New York Dolls and Johnny mm-hmm. Thunders. Mm-hmm. And Steven Tyler, I forget who's saying it because it's an oral history, but Steven Tyler goes to Johnny Thunders funeral and very audibly and loudly just starts like yelling, it could have been me. It could have been me. And how everyone there was just like, God, this guy's such a shithead. Yeah. Maybe he was on drugs. He was at the time. <laughs> so was Johnny Thunders, and he didn't make it because of that. Drugs, kids, don't do them. Yeah. Uh, they talk about groupies, because a lot of this movie, it's about the girls, 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 girls. One dude calls them the fleas and ticks of rock and roll. I like that. Yeah, it's rude. It's rude. That's what he calls the groupies. Yeah, and a lot of these guys are pretty shameless in regard to the fact that they often will use these women to supplement an income because they don't work. They're hoping their derivative glam band is going to be huge, and they'll get women to just buy them food, buy them drugs, and whatever to help support them. And it is compared 
to prostitution. One kid, I think his name is Matthew, he said that chicks won't even get into my house without a bag of groceries. These guys are cool. <laughs> they are prostitutes. Hey, now. Or sex workers. But we're talking to now a band called, with a great band name, London. They go through a list of people who used to be in their band and then left to move on to bands that got huge. They had former members of Guns N' Roses and shit. But London has been kind of grinding out this scene for a while. You, you know which band you missed? Who? Seduce. <laughs> I tell you, man, I get them confused. <laughs> I get them mixed up. <laughs> well, you've barely noticed them. They're the ones in the car driving by, and then you just see them playing real quick. And the, one, the guy's like, yeah, my girlfriend said you should quit your band so we can get married. I was like, no. Yeah, real We're fast. We're the biggest maybe. band in Detroit. Seduce. No, who's the biggest band in Detroit? We are. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so London's an X-Band. London definitely is more memorable. You might have confused them with Seduce, but London, man, London. These are the these are the winners for me. <laughs> They're the funniest. It's the bad good or the good bad for you? All of the above. They talk about how, well, the, the front man says that he's a professional gynecologist. <laughs> what a classic joke. That's a guitarist, but I... I oh, right, right. Yes, yes. Well, how do they come up with that name? That's a stupid fucking name. London? It's like that band who called themselves Asia. It's like, why? I wonder. That one guy's got a strange accent I can never place. The singer, Nadir de Priest. What a name, right? Talks about how he's in debt for $100,000. And then they do this this thing because I don't think the Berlin Wall has quite fallen yet. Starts talking about the Russians. Burns a Soviet flag or something. You know that bullshit going out there for the fucking Russians, huh? I'm sick of listening to these motherfuckers. It's like, <laughs> like let's, let's say fuck you to the Russians on this next number. They constantly cut to them on stage during that interview with them, and enough fog. <laughs> you know, it's like so funny. Oh man! And they sing a song called "Russian Winter." And the only reason I can remember that is because I wrote it down. Russian Winter. He's got the voice, though. You gotta yeah. admit, he's got the of the of everyone that we see performing next to maybe Megadeth. London probably is the second best if you're going to rank him. He's got that Dickinson voice. It's very close to Iron Maiden. I mean, they're a little more glam than Iron Maiden, you know, which means a little more pop. You're right. Russian winter. That's something of substance. At least they're not singing about uh, some kind of innuendo. <laughs> right. We meet an organization called Back in Control because these kids are out of control with this <laughs> metal, Stuart. Yeah, we meet our probation officer. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. The narc of the movie appears. The devil and, horns. Yeah. The three sixes. Oh, right. Six. Six. Which is popularized by Ronnie James Dio. But Gene Simmons takes credit for it. And he, in an interview, claimed to have cr created the devil horns. But the thing is, when you see Gene Simmons do, does it, he puts the thumb out, which means I love you. Sign language. <laughs> so he claims wow. to invent the devil horns when he's not even doing the devil horns. He's claiming to invent something that he didn't doesn't even do right. Look, Gene's just hopping on the marketing. Well, I got you. Got to hand it to the Kiss. They're good at marketing. Free advertising. Oh yeah, and Gene Simmons is in this movie in a department store with ladies walking around in lingerie. Another very propped up scene. But Back in Control is an organization that demetals kids, demetals and helps parents get back in control of their kids. So no metal albums. No fashion, no images with monsters on them, so that takes care of Iron Maiden stuff. And she presents these spiked bracers. Yeah, she's got an Iron Maiden cassette tape. She's holding them. And she's got like a spiked collar. And she says that, and this is interesting, she says that the spiked collar, which is bullshit, it's just a fashion statement, but she says the spiked collar prevents chokeholds from the police. Now, it's illegal for the police to give you chokeholds a cop murdered uh, an unarmed black man named michael i believe his name was michael brown mm -hmm. gosh there's been so many unarmed black men that have been killed i might be getting that those names mixed up but a cop put him in a chokehold and that's supposed to be an illegal chokehold but the jury uh just let him uh get away with it but you're not supposed to be chokeholding people if you're a, a policeman and but this lady is Saying that it's a problem that these well maybe this is pre chokehold I think it is, but these collars the chokehold accords these collars prevent police chokeholds therefore they're bad 
And then, yes, yeah, she does explain the devil horns. But they ask her a question. Do you think Ozzy is a, you know, messenger of the devil? And she goes. <laughs> we meet another guy, a real winner. His name is Bill Gazzari. Now, in the first Decline movie. A real winner. I love when you say that. <laughs> Everyone, whenever Bobby says real winner, you drink. <laughs> yeah. We meet Bill Gazzari, and it's in the tradition of Decline movies where we meet club promoters. So we've met Ricky Rackman, and now we meet Bill Gazzari. But Bill Gazzari has a dance competition because it's a classy place. But Miss Gazzari, the current Miss Gazzari who won the last dance competition, I'll probably clip this. And how has it been being uh, Miss Gazzari dancer? It has been the greatest time of my life. What was the best part of that? Getting up there in front of a million people and really doing it. What are you going to do now? Are you going to... Um... I'm going to continue on my modeling and great... Um, hopefully I get on with my actressing, shooting some movies. So <laughs> just to give, you know, it doesn't really make sense why, why this 80 year old man is like the impresario of heavy metal in LA. Let me just explain it. He had a huge supply of quaaludes <laughs> yes. and apparently anyone that wanted could get them from him in the clubs. Wow. Is that true? Yes. So everyone's all drugged out and hazed. And if you look again, you will see she is glazed over. Yes. Hopefully I get on with my actress scene. Drugged. We meet the band Odin. Take a tip into the scene and watch an And Gazari calls uh, the, <laughs> the singer for Odin a foxy guy. He's a real foxy guy. That's what he said. He's so comfortable with his sexuality that he can recognize another attractive man. I think that he might have a thing for this guy. <laughs> Maybe one too many quaaludes. Did you notice that the guitarist for Odin, or one of them anyway, He's kind of chubby. He looked like Bobby Moynihan. That hot tub they're in? Yeah. That SNL cast member. There, That was in uh, Penelope's house, that hot tub. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they must have loved that shit. Every one of these interviews is staged in an environment that is controlled by the director. That's what I kind of like about it. She's like getting them comfortable, you know, but also kind of getting them off their, uh, off their, uh, whatever, their, their, uh, out of their comfort zone, yeah. but in a relaxed environment. It's like, oh, where do you want to go, Gene Simmons? To a lingerie store? Well, of course we're going to go there. <laughs> what would you like, Paul Stanley? Three women draped across you? No problem. <laughs> what would you like, Ozzy? Some breakfast? You got it. <laughs> right. Why don't you boil this water <laughs> endlessly <laughs> while we're interviewing you? The singer to Odin says that we're going to be huge. It's going to happen. And he also confesses to coming close to killing himself. And then he says, that's why I don't do drugs anymore. And then everyone laughs. <laughs> Glam Bobby Moynihan states that for him, it's either superstardom or skid row. Dude, where's Odin now? I don't know. But that's not a band I've ever heard of outside of this movie. They have no Wikipedia page, so I can't find out. Damn, you'd think being in Decline Part 2 would at least get him a Wikipedia page. I'm looking. I don't see anything. There's a lot of references to Skid Row, and Skid Row is this air part in, I think it's in downtown LA, where just a lot of homeless people are encamped. It's also a uh, a, a glam metal band with, uh, what's his name in it? The Canadian one? Gene in oh. life and counting. Is that not Poison? No, that's uh, Skid Row. Oh, Skid Row. Your crime is time and it's... Odin, Odin. 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 Then Anthony Hopkins shows up in an eye patch. But now, Stuart, we move on to the scene, the most infamous scene in the decline of Western civilization, part two, the metal years. Cut to our buddy, Chris Holmes. From Wasp. Chris, Chris Holmes. Holmes. Chris Holmes. Chris Holmes. With his mom, Sandy. Uh huh. His mother's sitting by the pool, and he's floating in the pool on a float. Yeah. Wasp is very successful at this point, mm -hmm. hence his pool. And he just goes through a myriad of things to say. And we'll go in and out of clips with this guy. I tell women to take their drawers off. If they don't, I call security. But then he confesses to, like, being a piece of crap. I'm a piece of crap. He's a real piece of shit. He's a real piece of shit. He says. I'm 29. They call me an old fuck. I'm a full-blown alcoholic. He drinks five quarts or pints of vodka a day. There is kind of a difference, <laughs> but that... But either way, that's still a lot. I'm the happiest motherfucker there ever was. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> He's a real happy camper. The Penelope is like, are you covering up pain? 
Ah, uh, yeah. And then he says, I wish I was a smaller star. I don't like being the person I am. He's blitz. And then there's the scene where he just starts dumping the vodka down his throat while he's lay, leaning back in the pool floaty. And uh, oh, I drink is because what? 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 But why do you drink, Chris? Right. Just dumping it very, all over. Very stark. You just kind of get this feeling, whoa. Like, this guy is... That's real. Because he goes from being like, I'm so happy to, I'm garbage. Can I dispel another myth? Go ahead. It's water. I heard... In the vodka bottle. It's water. I heard that it was a combination because he kept dipping. Like, it was vodka, but he kept, like, it kept going under the pool water. So it was actually... Yeah, if you watch, you see that it's it changes, like, how much is in there. Yeah. Or isn't. But it's pool water. He keeps filling it through all full of water. Because his hand, he can't control... He's drinking a combination of like a little bit of vodka and mostly pool water, right? What Penelope says is that there was, it was all water. All water? That was just a prop. They, they gave him the bottle as a prop. But he really was hammered, He right? was really hammered already because in the in the glass of orange juice was vodka. Uh. He went, and he was already drunk. <laughs> and they took him to his house and brought his mom out as another prop. Because uh, it was me set the scene it is it's a pseudo documentary approach yeah it's like give him enough rope and see what happens (laughs) this is the part where alcoholism is discussed quite a bit and ozzy talks about ozzy as is infamous for his alcohol and substance abuse addictions penelope asks but you feel better right now that you've come through the other side no (laughs) that's the nature of addiction it's not a it's about maintaining this problem it's Nothing is ever a cure. That's the insidious nature of addiction. And that's why we kind of need to take it very seriously. Yeah. This is when Kiss gives that excellent advice. And many of the bands that have been around a while, uh, Alice Cooper, even Aerosmith, also infamous drug addicts back in the day. But the reason that they are huge now is because they had to learn how to walk away from that after almost dying from it multiple times. Uh, Penelope says also is that when they were interviewing Aerosmith, uh, they had like their handlers show up before the interview to check the house for drugs and check Penelope and the the assistant there and the whole crew for drugs because they were that on it. Their management team was like, we can't get them anywhere near drugs because they're liable to take them. They're really earning their money. It's really earning your money. There's a reason why a lot of the bands that are featured, the young acts, there's a reason Odin doesn't have a fucking Wikipedia page. Yeah. Of course, neither do we, but you just wait. I think most of them are still around now. They're just all lawyers and bankers and stuff. Or dead. Maybe some of them. I don't think as many as you think. I bet if you look, like a lot of these people grew up. They're like entertainment lawyers now. Yeah, they're all like, yeah. I mean, LA does that too. Well, go back to Gazari. And women are dancing around. One lady takes off her underwear and Gazari gets on the mic. He has standards, Stuart. And what that lady did, too skimpy for my show. No bikinis or G-strings. And then the crowd boos him. And then I guess he caves in. I guess it was all a show. (laughs) Uh, Gazari says, I liked 18-year-old girls when I was 18. I love them now. Why should I stop? Rock and roll forever. I like them now even better. Rock and roll forever. And Quaaludes. I mean, you couldn't even get Quaaludes in the 80s. This guy, you know, a lot of people like... Couldn't get this, Quaaludes in yeah, the Yeah, they made, they made them illegal. And what would happen is the people that loved Quaaludes and knew what Quaaludes would do, they just would buy up all the Quaaludes they possibly could and stockpile them. It'd still get them into the 80s and certain scenes like that. I mean, the reputation of Quaaludes and the 80s is very intertwined. And you don't hear about Quaaludes anymore. Do they even make them? Only in Africa. Like, there are huge quaalude addicts. In, uh, really? In uh, parts of Africa, yeah. Wow. In China, they still... Of course, in China, they still make every drug that's illegal. You could literally go to China and probably buy, like, uh, millions of dollars worth of quaaludes for 20 bucks or something. Like, no joke. Like, <laughs> the chemicals to make all these drugs that are illegal don't cost that much. Loot it up. Loot it up. Yeah, It's like legal. It's only legal in that one country in Africa. I'm not sure. Like Johann, wherever Johannesburg is, is that? Uh, Johannesburg South is South Africa. I think it's yeah. I think it's there. wow. Okay. Yeah. I gotta. I like I said. I gotta give Kiss credit for being honest. Or Gene, he says they'll tell you that it ain't no thing to be all rich. 
and that you got to rise above it. But that's bullshit. Being on top is the best. <laughs> and Paul Stanley is like, look, I did it and you can do it. And then we talk to Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. And he's like, to kids who want to be a rock star, I say don't. Because Megadeth, it's not really a pure glam. More of like a classic metal band. More in the vein of your Iron Maidens. More of your uh, Metallicas, which Dave Mustaine was in Metallica for like a moment, right? That's right. He missed his little friend Lars. And it's all about attitude, integrity, and the music, man. We got to do that movie. You know that, right? You know we have to keep doing metal documentaries. Some forever. kind of monster? Yes. I do want to see it. I haven't seen it. There's a million metal documentaries. There is quite a bit out there. We probably need to also do all the Nintendo-related documentaries. Okay. <laughs> well. I don't know. There's a lot you can learn about Nintendo. How many Nintendo docs are there? I don't really know that much about Yoshi. How does he get in those eggs? Well, someone lays him. You remember a Yoshi eats something and lays an egg. And it's a Yoshi? Egg. So there's more than one Yoshi? There's several. Many colors. Ah, a Yoshi of many colors. A Yoshi of many colors that my mama gave to me. <laughs> yeah, Dolly Parton. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> uh, one of the guitarists for Megadeth had a Dead Kennedy sticker on the guitar. And they have a live show. And I stand by it. This is the best live show by far in the whole documentary. But there's more dudes at this show. It's, it's like a crowd of like all dudes, pretty much. So while the quality is better, it's not really as gender diverse, truly, as the other shows. And there's a lot of moshing, a lot of stage diving. And then we leave while Alice Cooper's Under My Wheels plays. And that is pretty much the end of... Penelope Spheris' The Decline of Western Civilization, Part 2. The Metal Years. And there you go. Now, Stuart, we don't rate in a star rating scale. That's for glam metal. We're real metal, man. And real metal rates in a Herzog rating scale. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. You're going to give this one through five Herzogs. Then we will combine them to form a Wasp cover band that rates this movie out of 10 Herzog, best out of 10. Stuart, let me tell you what I think about this movie. The Decline of Western Civilization, part two, The Metal Years. Ginger and I watched the first one. I liked it a lot. I gave it a five Herzogs. Right. This one generally considered the funnier one for good reason. There is a lot that's funny about it. and there's a But there's also a lot more that's put on about it, which can kind of maybe turn you off but also, this whole subgenre of glam metal, there is a put-on nature of it. It kind of is appropriate for this genre of music that we're talking about. You kind of can scoff at Paul Stanley's, like, laying in the bed with all these women and all these setup scenes with Chris Holmes chugging the vodka or the hot tub scene with fucking Odin. But these bands, they are, by their nature, a put-on. And then there is something very manufactured setup and plastic about this subgenre of music. And many of the old rockers that are featured in here kind of acknowledge that aspect of it. Aesthetically kind of makes sense to have all these setup scenes. Now I haven't seen decline part three. That's the one I haven't seen at all. And I don't think this is as good as the first one, but it did bring something to the table that I liked. And when it comes to dealing with addiction and advice for dealing with drugs and alcohol. It, it did present examples of how to maybe make it into this business, though this genre has pretty much uh, gone the wayside in terms of popularity. So if you're being a big glam metal band on the Sunset Strip these days, it's probably not working out too well for you. But there is something there in this movie. So I'm going to give this documentary, The Decline of Western Civilization Part Two: The Metal Years, 3.75 Herzogs. Whoa. Stuart, what do you think of this movie? I think I liked it a little more than you did. I think I liked it enough to give it five stars. Whoa. Wait, five Whoa. Herzogs. Whoa, bro. <laughs> Careful. All right, five Herzogs. You take your five Herzogs. I take my 3.75 Herzogs. And I, well, you, what do I do with them when I take them? Well, I take them. You take all of them? 
Yeah. Okay. And that brings this movie up to 8.75 Herzogs for Penelope Spears' Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, yep. The Metal Years. That's a pretty good score. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun. You don't have to like metal to, to enjoy it. No, no. You don't have to like, you, it's one of these movies where you can come in and you don't have to watch it in any religious order. Just watch the end of it. Watch the beginning. Watch the middle. I didn't like any of the bands really featured with their live performances, but there was definitely uh, and some entertainment in this movie. You know, I mean, it's, for me, the fun of these bands is like that first vocal hit. Because like, then I know like, you know, like when Odin starts singing and the guy's like, <laughs> that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for that moment. I want to see <laughs> where they where they come in on the, on the, on the vocal part. <laughs> if you're a musician, you know, that's fun to hear. How's this guy going to sing it? Yeah, and that's that's it. That's a pretty high score. Can't remember off the top of my head how much we rated um, the first one, but I think it was like just under perfect. Not quite, but almost. But that's it. Penelope Spears' series so far is getting some good reviews. And next week, we will be doing part three with Johnny. Oh, you're doing Johnny? Yeah. The gutter punk years. I figure he'll have a lot to say about it. He's kind of a gutter punk. Got a little bit of those qualities. Always jangling around. Jingo jangling. Saying, fuck you, mom. Fuck you, dad. I've heard him say that to me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not your dad or your mom, but. <laughs> fuck you, Uncle Stewart. <laughs> yeah, that, he's going to grow up one day into a really weird adult. <laughs> he's already there. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. We all kid here at Documenteers, and that's our movie. I, lo- I love that guy, John B. Sloop John B. What's his name? You go, Sloop John yeah. B. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, nothing, nothing better than that guy. Yeah, I like him a lot. Man, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if all, everybody, all the co-hosts were here right now together, just singing like a We Are the World? Kind that of sounds a- like you're setting something up, but it's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Unless I edit them all in, <laughs> which that's too much work. I'll, okay, I'll do my part. We are the world. We are the world. We are the children. We are the children. So living in black. I don't know the words. We <laughs> are the ones that make the better place. So let's start giving. Yeah, no, edit it all. Get through everyone else to finish them. And then, you know, it's done. Okay. <laughs> all right, folks. Keep on docking. And now Stuart is here, and we're discussing part two of the Stephanie Spheris classic. Penelope. Did I say Stephanie? You did, but I like it. it, it it's really Penelope <laughs> Spheris? Yeah, but some people pr- pronounce it Stephanie. <laughs> Shut up. Swing. Swing. Tentpole. <laughs> <laughs>